Hey guys, just before we get into it, we would like to acknowledge our podcast partners in Beyond Blue. If you're feeling low, anxious, or need to talk to someone, please contact the people at Beyond Blue. Their phone number is 1300 224 636. You can visit them on the website as well at www.beyondblue.org.au forward slash get support. Enjoy the episode. Thanks, guys. AFL podcast. I'm your host, John Ben Norden, and here with me as always, Sean Lewis. Sean, how are you doing this week, mate? Going very well, thank you, John. It's, uh, it's uh, nice to be knocking out another podcast. Double um, podcast day for us. Um, podcast after podcast, which is good. And that's just to, just to get us through the Christmas break where we know we probably won't have time to do one. Yeah, I mean, we we still be pushing it to get through these two, but we've done we've done well. We got to here, um, and we thank you all for sticking with us. I think when we typically do a double, we don't do a deep um, mental health minute. Um, we just do we do a little bit of a shallow one and jump straight into the action. But um, I mean, how is there, is there anything else that you wanted to say before we move on? Maybe you can just do like a is there anything you want to say to people before the end of the year? Oh yeah, just look. You know, obviously, this time of year is it's a you know time of of uh, great joy, but it can be a time of great stress as well as I, as I've spoken about before. So you know, I just think you know, just want everyone to keep safe and and um, do the best thing for themselves. And um, you know, it, it's not always easy to to say no to things, but if you're feeling yourself, especially after the year we've had, feeling a, a mental stress or or a mental toll. Um, you know, don't be afraid to to protect your mental health. It's it's um, you know one of the most important things. Don't burn yourself out. And you know, obviously, the end of the year for work for a lot of people is a busy time as well. So um, you know, just don't um, yeah put 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 yourself and your mental health first um, wherever you can because I think it's just really important at this time of year. And I think it's it's the time of the year where we all are very willing to, to make sacrifices for, for those we love and many other people in our lives. And, um, you know, the, sometimes the sacrifices aren't, aren't worth it because we're not giving the best of ourselves. So um, look after yourselves and, and just be safe. Um, and we hope to see you all in the new year. Yeah, I like that, mate. Um, mine would be pretty similar in just that, just look after yourself. Um, I mean, it's a, it can be much easier said than done in a lot of cases, but um, there's, there's generally a lot of time to reflect over the year. Um, and it's a, a pretty interesting year to reflect upon when you do um, and make some promises to yourself going forward. Um, what I would just say is be kind when you make those promises Um and try to make things that are achievable if you're somebody that knows that you're constantly over promising things to the world and yourself a chance to try and take some small wins and and practice setting smaller goals that are more achievable um and, and make sure that you do achieve them then um and, and just make that slow progress towards um what your what your goals are i think that's the biggest thing is just making sure that um, we don't turn up in a year, two years, three years time realizing you've always had the same goal and you haven't done anything to pursue it. Um, I think that this wasn't this wasn't even a huge goal um, the podcast, but to give you an idea, um, I've had three friends start podcasts this year, and I said the same thing to every single one of them. The hardest thing is to start just to start recording. It's the hardest thing is to actually hit record and sit there for the length of the podcast and speak words because that was the hardest thing for, for us and it's the hardest thing with starting anything is the actual starting. Sometimes it's really fun to create the name and have the idea and all that stuff is great and hypotheticals. But if you have something you want to get done, my advice is just start. Don't, like, don't think about what the end product is going to look like yet, but the, the, t- the moment you start, you work it out pretty quickly. Um, yeah. You work out all the things that seem right about it and wrong about it and whether it actually is a goal or not. A lot of times you start and you go, actually, this isn't important to me. I'm going to put this away. Um, but 
if you've got a goal, um, just start and you'll feel a whole lot better. Good words. And that is that. That is the words for the year and they're all done. Um, and now we're going to move into the football for the year, which is almost done. Um, we're up to Port Adelaide, so we've got through the first 12 clubs. The 13th club is Port Adelaide. Sean, take us away. Sounds good, mate. Um, so at the start of the draft, picks 35, 47, 57, 59, and 73, all holding DVI points. I think 73 does. I think it's 74 where it ends. Yeah. Um, and they obviously had Lockie Jones, who is a... Mid, mid, size, mid to small, medium defender. I don't know. Small, medium defender. A medium. Definitely a medium defender. 186 centimetres. Um, so he got bit on with pick 16, and then they took Ollie Lord at pick 49, the big key forward as a bit of a project player. Um, so Collingwood made the bit on Lockie Jones. Uh, he's an NGA kid. Um, he, that's pick 16. Uh, it's about where he, he... He was probably on par with Chapman, who went a couple of picks before. So um, I think it's very much, you know, good value for him. Um, plays as, a, as a, I guess, a bit more of a um, running defender. Um, just can read and intercept. He's, he's a, Look, he's a really nice player. Um, I think they've done very well to, to nab him as an NGA player. Um, he probably, I'm just trying to think, what's, yeah, he, I mean, it's kind of like a bit of a small Will Gould in a lot of ways, bit 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 old school. I don't know if John's going to like me saying that. but I don't. There's a lot, no, that's okay. There's a lot of people that said it. Um, he's, a, he's a big kid, um, so... Um, there's definitely that to it, the physical size and the senior footy um, element to him being similar to Will Gould. Um, he's probably got a bit more spring and leap about him. Um, I'm pretty sure he took mark of the year in the Sample Seniors. Um, he took an absolute screamer. So he's got he's got that to his game um, more than Gould does, um, but he doesn't have the um, the depth in his kick. He's got a long kick. Yeah. Um, he, he knows he knows how to send the ball long, um, but the penetration was the difference. Is that Will's more of a punch, um, so he, he's more of like a punch over sixty meters, where the ball drifts over defenders' hands. Um, this is more like a high sixty meter kick to a contest. Yeah, so I think, and, and I think probably where where we talk about the comparison is just I guess in the style that they play. So they both play that kind of, you know, tough, um, you know, just real grunty out of the back line, you know, not afraid to take it on, you know, run run the line and, you know, you back their physical strength to, to get them through the, the opposition. Um, and then when, when they get the space, just launch it. So Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, if you put a ball in between them and a forward, um, they're coming at it from opposite directions. You back that the forward's going to pull up before they do. Yeah. Um, or the, the or they'll crash, and the defenders will get up in the in the better in that case because they're just built for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Look, I, I really yeah, great pick, NGA pick, pretty simple one. So tick that off. Um, and then Ollie Lord, um, from Sandy Dragons. Uh, you know, just one we didn't get to see a lot of, 195 centimetres, 85-ish kilos. So just got to put on a bit of weight. Um, has a lot of really nice athletic um, attributes, especially his speed and, and his, his jump for a guy his size. Um, just, you know, as with a kid who's, you know, was a, it's hard being a key forward in, in this year's draft is what I'd say, especially if you're a Victorian and not being able to play. Um because your 18th year is usually the year where you show your wares because finally you're of you're a big enough size that you can actually do some damage. Um, and unfortunately, he's lost that. So we don't really know, I guess, what his... his um, we don't really know what he could be. Um, we just look at the athletic profile and go, for a guy at 195 centimetres and what he has shown beforehand, you know, hitting the ball at the highest point when he marks it and that sort of thing, there's there's a lot to like. Um, but in terms of what he could be, well, you know, he could be a bust or he could be, um, you know, could be in just another great key forward to add to their stocks to complement Mitch Georgiades into the future. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, overall, it's it's they did a few, couple of trades as well. Ended up gaining a couple of future fourth round picks, so not a whole lot um, to to write home about there um, in terms of those futures future selections. But I mean, for me, uh, probably like a four and a half. I don't necessarily rate the Lord selection, um, but. If you're going to take a prospect, you might as well just pick whichever one you like the most. Um, but but if, and Jones at 49, what was there that they could have taken? Like that's, I mean, like we liked Eddie Ford, I liked Eddie Ford and stuff, but I don't think you can mark him down half. Like if you if you're talking like getting Lockie Jones in the teens as as being the primary driver, which is like a, a five to me. You know, whatever they take at forty nine is not really going to make half a point's difference. It's a speculative pick, no matter what. So, if I look after the Ollie Lord pick, I know that you can't have access to all of these players. But if I just go from Ollie Lord, who would I recommend afterwards? Pick fifty, Brandon Walker. I would prefer pick fifty one, Maurice Rioli. I would prefer. Pick 52, Luke Edwards, I would prefer. Pick 53, Cody Brand, I would prefer. Pick 54, Joel Weston, I would prefer. Pick 55, nah. Pick 56, I would prefer. Eddie Ford. Pick 57, I would prefer Isaiah Winder. Um, so, 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 yeah. but look at their list. We're not talking about who you would prefer. We're talking about their list. I don't think they need more prospect key position players. I just think that they had a spot on their list and they had no immediate needs. So they just took a high, pro- I mean, a prospect because if it works, that's great. And if it busts, it won't matter anyway. It won't be on the list in two years' time. Um, mm. from, as I said, I think that he's probably a player that could have benefited from an additional year in the new under-19s competition um, and actually getting to prove himself and play some footy. Um We'll differ here because I think the first pick is a, you're right, it's a nothing pick um, because it's just matching where the bid came from NGA. Um, But I don't necessarily rate the Lord's selection. I know it's a hard spot to pick, but this is a below expectation. Not very much. Look, four and a half is barely below a five um, in, in in the scheme of our ratings. It's one notch below. It's just that I, I can't, give this a five given that I've seen clubs like the D's who I was much happier with their, their net hand. Yeah, I would, I'd give this a five. It just meets expectations and I have no issues with picking a speculative key position player in a position in your list that I think you need. So like, I, I don't like you look at all those other players, they don't need mid-size forwards. They don't need, um, you know, outside runners. They don't, or maybe outside runners, maybe they do, but all of them, None of them were particularly high, you know, possibility outside runners. They're more forwards who go back, uh, who can go through into the into the wing kind of thing. But I just looked at all those ones you read out, and I'm like, I don't see many of them fitting very well with what right. Port's list build is. So I, that's why I sit there and I say, Lord is a fine selection for them because, you know, when you look at their depth, you know, after Charlie Dixon. You got Dixon, Mitch Georgiatis, Todd Marshall, but Dixon's, you know, almost 30. And then after that, they're looking at Sam Hayes as a, as a ruck forward, and then they've got nothing else. So picking Ollie Lord to me just increases that depth and potential development and gets that pipeline moving again. So I've got no issues with it. And, and to be honest, Sam Hayes probably will probably ask for a trade request next year if we're, you know. Yeah. Look, we're going to disagree on this one. Yeah, yeah you, you won't you won't convince me otherwise, and that's fine. Um, yeah. It's it's a. I mean, they end up with a net four point seven five, which is just just below the average um, and above a few other clubs. It's just yeah, that's just where I sat on them. Um, let's move on though. Um, we're not we're not going to change our minds there. Tigers um, didn't enter till late. They made a good trade to offload their pick 20 um, and get a future first round selection um, or the pick that ended up being 20, should I say, um, and get a future first round selection, um, brought in a Rioli at pick 51 um, and we're just matching a bid. 
Um, and at pick 40, picked Samson Ryan, who was a Lions Academy player. Uh, was previously a Lions. I think he's out of the. He's he he was no longer in the Lions Academy because he's been. Playing. Ah. He's, oh he's, yeah, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty years yeah, old, yeah. so he's been playing in the um, in the quaffle. Uh, look, I think it's a good thing. Obviously, um, losing uh, Soldo for the year, um, and they've got yep. you know um, Nank and Callum Coleman Jones. So Samson Ryan, being a twenty-year-old, two hundred and six centimeter tall ruckman, is I think a, a very smart selection because he's you know he's two two hundred and six and ninety-six kilos. So he's he's got the physical size and to be honest he probably where he's starting from is where soldo started from yeah. very very similar build and um probably not maybe not quite as solid but um you know just being as big as he is he's you know he wins ruck tap outs and um you know for his size he's pretty mobile um and the you know the thing's just going to be the step up in quality from the quaffle into into the AFL if he plays AFL. Um, otherwise, he'll get a lot of time running around in the in the V or the now South Eastern Australian Football League or whatever they kind of call it. Yep. So yeah, look, I, I don't mind it. Um, and Maurice Rioli Junior at fifty one matching a bid. You know, another small forward. They lost Jackie and it's just replaces. So, I mean, using my logic from the last one. I, I see the where where Samson Ryan fits in their list. It's a five. Five for me too. Um, much better selection than to Port Adelaide. No. So um, pick, pick 40. A, You're happy with Samson Ryan pick 40 over Max Heath. You know, look, there, there are certain philosophies that I hold and I believe hold true always. One of which is it's never too late to draft a Ruckman. I mean, it's never too early to draft a Ruckman for the future. I always think that Rucks are under-selected. And I love clubs that select a Ruckman in the draft because you just need to consistently add them to your depth because you cycle them every two to three years to see whether they're going to be anything. It's always harder to know with a 206-centimetre kid than it is with a 195-centimetre kid. So I'm happier with that selection than I am with the selection of Lord. Then with a 195-centimetre key position forward. Yep, happier. Okay. Much happier. Plus... You and I differ on Port Adelaide's list position. Well, I, like we talked about this, um, and I know you were making your case. We differ on where I think their gaps are on their list and where they needed to approach. So that's the difference of opinion there makes a difference. And the fact that I think that they improved their position by getting a future first round selection rather than taking a pick in the 20s this year. That for me made sense. Um, I, I didn't rate as much as I rated some of the players around that mark. I didn't like the lack of information, and I think that next year's draft around the same spot will probably net a better result. Yeah. Um, so I think I think we'll, we'll find the under nineteens component of it will make next year's draft a very strong draft. Yeah, so do I. Um, it'd be that's it would have been great to see Ollie Lord playing in it, mate. We would have seen whether he was anything well, or not. You'll get to, you'll get to watch him running around in the senior sandful, mate, which is you know maybe a, not. a competition you actually like as well. So we'll see if he when, gets there when he gets his first bag of five. I'll just send you a, a high five on on text, so you know. Do you think that he'll ever kick five goals in the sample? This is like I mean, if, we, if we're going to go down this route, I, I honestly, <laughs> I, I I honestly, um. Most key forwards outside of really the first round bust. Um, and, and that's fine to take risks on them because it's the same with rucks. So, but if you're saying that you'll send me a picture when he kicks five goals, I also want you to send me one if he never kicks five goals. And, and that's, not, that's not a knock on his career. I, like, I wish him all the best. I honestly do. Um, this is never anything against the kids that we're talking about or the players that we're talking about. We're generally talking about general rules, philosophies, list builds as a whole, and, and and averages. And this is just taking the average of things going, I don't think that he'll ever kick five goals at senior sample level. Um, it's a five for me, and it's a five for you with the Richmond Tigers. Yep. Um, rounding them out just above Port Adelaide. Um, I think that first round trade, is this is really the thing that does it. Um, yeah. yeah, I but think again, it's not... I don't think yeah. the first round, like as we said when we 
spoke about Geelong. The trade itself is probably almost net neutral if Geelong perform as we expect them to perform. So, I mean, I guess it's one of those ones that we'll probably be able to, we'll definitely be able to rate next year, but I actually I don't think it lifts them or drops them in either way. I just think they've just done exactly what they need to do in this draft. They, yeah. lo- they lost a small forward. Um, they picked one up. They're a ruckman down with an ACL. They've picked a ruck up. Tick, tick, done. Done. Move on, on to the Saints. Saints. Very interesting, the Saints. I, um, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this. Um, so I started the night with uh, 21, 64, 67, and 74 being the DVI points picks. Um, they only used two of them. Um, they With pick 26, they selected Matt Allison, who is a... Uh, fairly similar to quite a few of the wingman forwards in this draft. He's 194 centimetre, reasonably good athletic profile um, forward, probably more forward than he is a wingman, but can play down in the wings. Um, I really liked him, so uh, I really like the pick. And Tom Highmore, who I believe is a GWS Academy um, graduate uh, from a couple of years ago, so he's a mature age pick who's spent the year playing in the Sandful, um, where he basically hit targets and played quite well as a as a um, kind of 190 centimetre intercepting tall, I guess you think he is. So. Yeah, I mean, I like um, the Saints sort of always trying out the mature age thing um, because I think that it's definitely an area that when you're you're in performance mode, which I guess the Saints sort of believe that they are, that you may be able to get someone that'll slot straight in your best 22. And I, I sort of believe with mature age players, there are some exceptions like Kelly, who was a star, um, an absolute gun, and came in and was a gun from day one. But I generally believe with mature age players that they could, they're, they're slightly higher chance of being successful. Um, or like, I mean, by successful, I mean making the best 22 than younger players. But they never have the same upside. Really, you're just looking for a player to add to the rotation. Um, and it's always worth trying if you're in that sort of window because maybe you get somebody that sits somewhere between 18 and 22 and improves your depth. Um, if you're really lucky, you'll get someone that sort of sits in your best 15 players. Um, but not a not a brilliant and, and not a terrible selection, just a, a reasonable mature age pick. At that, at that stage. And Matt Allison, um, I mean, I think that he's got a good athletic profile. Uh, so he's got that reasonably tall player, can play forward, um, or it should have probably will play forward. But, I mean, I didn't um, I didn't love that pick, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> I didn't think you would. No. And look, it's not because I don't think that they, it sort of fits needs and stuff. It's more just because uh, that is, again, really interesting range of the draft. There's different ranges in the draft that are uh, that were interesting. Those The next four picks, um, Nathan O'Driscoll, Sam Berry, Seamus Mitchell, and Caleb Poulter, probably all of whom except for Seamus Mitchell, um, I would have taken instead. Um, Poulter, O'Driscoll, and Berry all have... At like good upside, all have the ability to be in that um, that best team at the Saints within two years, and really adding value over a longer period of time, um, and, and sort of being more lock types. Um, and just given the profile of the Saints, it sort of surprised me a little bit that Allison pick. Yeah, I don't think it surprised me because I, I felt they would. I felt the Saints would go tall with their picks. I think they're probably shallow in key position depth down back. Up yeah. forward, yeah. Up forward, I think they're not too bad. Obviously, with the big king um, in Max down there, and and obviously they've got some reasonably handy kind of mid-sized forwards, memories, those sorts. Um, I'm not surprised they went tall, and especially having acquired um, Crouch and and that, and you know um, Higgins as well. So he'll play through the middle. So I, I could see them looking elsewhere. I, yeah. What I what I love about the selection is the same things we like about Fraser Osman, to be honest. Like he's just athletically, there's so much scope um, with him. He, he's only 81 kilos, so he needs he needs to put on mass. Um, I, I don't. 
I guess for him, he should be looking at like I guess a Harry Himmelberg and the way he plays. Yeah. Um, as as kind of how he's going to need to attack the footy and play up forward to to make it at AFL level. Um, I, he could also potentially play on a wing um, or off a half forward flank as well. Um, but I just think there, you know, he's he's very much. Um, got the potential to develop into a key forward, which I guess is someone that Ros- I don't think Rosman quite has that ability to go key forward. Um, and, and I think that's kind of the separating differential with him. So, I mean, look, yeah. I, I love the selection. Um, you know, uh, I think he's got reasonably good hands as well um, and he can run all day. So, um, and Highmore, at the end of the day, it's, it's a mature age selection that I think fits their needs. They... I guess down back, they're not overly stocked. Um, they've got enough players down back, but, you know, another mature age, uh, reasonably good kick um, is, is not a bad thing. So, I mean, yep. I don't think he'll be, how put it? It reminds me a lot of the um, Alex Giorgio selection at Melbourne. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> like you were going to get a footballer who could play at the level and do the right things. Um, longevity is going to be the question mark for him. So if he can, if he can turn, you know, this opportunity into a career, good on him. Um, I, you know, otherwise the potential is he probably ends up back in the sandful in, in a couple of years. So, um, you know, fingers yep. crossed. I think it's reasonably good from the Saints. Um, as excited as I am about the Allison pick, I will actually mark them down because I felt they could have used Caleb Poulter. Yeah. Yeah, I felt that they could have used a couple of players around that point as well. Yeah. Nathan, um, Nathan O'Driscoll, they could have used by my assessment, but I can see why they didn't pick him. Whereas Poulter... Yeah, I can see why they didn't pick him as well. I think that Hunter Clark um, can fill that role. Um, like a more, Hunter Clark's more skillful, higher upside player, but defensive midfielder. Yeah. Um, so he, he sort of already covers that area. They've got a couple of defensive midfielders, so they didn't necessarily need him. It's just a player I liked more at that pick. Yeah. Um, it's raining cats and dogs here. I don't know if you can hear that in the background, but it, it should be actually a nice little effect there for your listeners. The other thing they did was they lost a fourth-round selection um, just to, to jump up and grab that pick um, with Highmore. So... Look, that's that's all fine. Um, I don't think there's anything too good or bad there. Where do you rate them overall? Um, oh, I'm going to go four and a half. Yeah, four and a half for me as well. Um, just, I mean, didn't have much, um, but didn't do much uh, and, and sort of lost ground in next year as well to not necessarily get anything special this year. So... Um, that's that. Uh, we have two clubs to go. Um, it's starting to get really, really, really heavy here to the point where even with on-ear headphones, I can hardly hear. <laughs> so apologies again if that's coming through the microphone. Hopefully it's not. And it, it, is, it. it is three clubs to go and I can yeah. I can hear the rain and I'm only, what, uh, 15 kilometres from you and it is not a drop of rain here. Yeah, it is coming down hard. So let's jump into it, Sydney, mate. Take me through it. Yep. So Sydney started with 3, 34, 37, 43, 48, 60. Um, and obviously they had two um, two next-gen academy kids in Braden Campbell and Errol Gordon. They took Logan McDonald, the key forward, at four. Uh, the bid for Braden Campbell came at five from Hawthorne. Errol Gordon, the bid came at 32 uh, I can't remember who bid it on him. Uh, I think actually that was Geelong because they took Shannon Neal the next pick. Um, and that was their night done. So um, I guess it's a really interesting one um, because uh, for a long time before the draft, everyone was pretty much locked in on the Swans getting uh, Denver Granger Brass um, with the expectation that Logan McDonald would be taken probably by North Melbourne. Um, and then when faced with the pick between the two, um, they went for the key forward in, in Logan McDonald. And, and a bit, uh, probably a bit like Gold Coast and a, a bit like Hawthorne, you know, I, I don't think they could really get it wrong here. Um, Logan McDonald or Demo Granger Brass, both of them filled a need on their list. They probably needed a key defender potentially more. But that said, they probably looked at it and felt that, you know, um, as Buddy winds down, um, another 
another high potential key forward um, to pair up with with um, uh, you know Tom McCartan and Nick Blakey and and those guys down forward uh, is is too good to pass up. So um, yeah, I, I think it was a good selection. Exactly what I would expect from this selection. There were two players I felt they would take, and they've taken one of them. Um, and Braden Campbell at five, uh, no surprise. He was probably um, probably by the end of the the end of the year, he was definitely talked about as you know one of the leading midfielders along with Phillips and and Hollands in this draft. So uh, probably the only surprise was Errol Gordon sliding. So um, what are your thoughts, mate? Yeah, I mean. I... Gordon, I think that they were, they were sort of anticipating would slide back a little bit um, just because he didn't really grow much um, and, and it's it's always hard with the shorter types to, to know exactly how they're going to go. He's only 175 centimetres, so um, you have to be exceptional at that, at that height to be picked earlier um, and he probably doesn't have the standard athletic profile either. So the, those are probably the things holding him back there. Um, as for where they would have gone key forward or key defender, I, I'm the same as you in saying that I don't think that they could have gone wrong. Um, and really a lot of it might depend on where they see Tom McCartan's best football going forward. Um, true, true. Potentially they, they know more about McCartan's position long-term and, and sort of may feel that he suits the key defence posts um, a bit better. So, uh, look, I think that, they, as I said, I don't think they could have gone wrong. I think that I would have been happier if they went with Granger Barras because it just felt like he was a Sydney Swan. Um, <laughs> he just felt like the type of player that the Sydney Swans grow, like grow and create. So, look, I, I don't think that, as I said, I think that Logan McDonald is a really good pick. I think that he was probably projected at number one for a long while. Um, so to get him at four um, and to draft a key position player who made the Waffle Team of the Year... Um, as an 18-year-old is a pretty exceptional thing as far as runs on the board go. That, that, that's getting some runs on the board for sure. Um, and and Braden Campbell's definitely got some, some class. Um, so he added something that I don't think anyone else in that sort of top group had. Um, he's, and, he's, yeah. he's not just classy, but he's quick and he moves like he's busy. He's a busy player. Yep. That's probably how yeah, I look at him. Yeah, he is. Um, like I, I, I think that he's a... I think that he's a star. I think he's a really good player. I think that the Swans got themselves into the problem of being locked into an early bid um, by not having any selections. Um, I said the same thing with Western Bulldogs, is that as soon as you dump your picks out towards the back end of the draft, you don't have any threat that you won't match. Um, So with lots of late picks, they were always going to match wherever the bid for Brandon Campbell came, unless it came before their pick. So it was yep. interesting that it came immediately after their pick because anywhere before then, they probably would have passed and anywhere after then, they probably would have matched. So, I mean, they definitely would have matched. So um, that was probably, I mean, it's uh, it's frustrating for them who probably felt that the bid could have came a few picks later, um, but uh, sort of, you, you trade back to get more pick value uh, and then you use additional pick value because you trade it back is sort of how I see it. So um, no, no, no love lost there at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, I, yeah, I, I think he's, he's worthy of the pick. Um, even if, even if I preferred, you know, at pick five, like given his link to you getting, getting two top 10 picks and, and Errol Gordon, arguably a top 25 pick as well. Um, I was surprised he slid, and and I know what you said is kind of right. He didn't grow, and he's not um, he's not athletically superior, but what he is, he's a high IQ player, and I, I really I'm really interested to see next year with more runs on the board. The I guess the the drafting class next year to see if the draft will skew away from athletic ability and back towards you know football players. Um, because when you actually look at like a team like Richmond, you know, yes, they've got a couple of guys who've got some pretty outstanding athletic ability, but when you have a look at, you know, guys like Dusty and that, like they're high IQ players, they just know how to play football and they know how to play football, you know, in a unique way. Um, they're small forwards, you know, like, um, 
you know, Rioli, you know, just knows how to play football, knows knows how to create something from nothing. And um, even when you look down back, like a Dylan Grimes and stuff, like, again, just a football player. And I'm wondering when the shift will come where we pivot back towards more those style of players. And, yeah. Because, um, you know, yes, this year we've definitely seen the impacts of, of a, you know, a year lost of vision and being basically drafted off the back of a really good combat buying in, in quite a lot of cases from probably about pick 15 onwards or somewhere, you know. Yep. Um, rather than picking, you know, guys with high IQ and high skill, um, they've gone for the athletes in the hope that you can teach skill, which is interesting. But, yeah, so good. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's I mean, we, we anticipated it this year. Um but it's certainly interesting and, and not probably the way that I think that things should be going forward. But we are seeing more and more that athletic influence is having more and more of a say um, uh, at the draft table. So I don't know if it's going to slow down, um, even though we sort of hope that it does a little bit. Um, I'm not sure if it will. Probably the only thing that I hope is just that the players that with athletic upside that get picked, um, it is that. It's that they're good players and then you watch them and you go, man, that kid's fast. And then you see their testing results and they come back really quick. Um, yeah. It's just sort of more confirmation. One of the things that I think is a risk this year is that there are some players that test quick but don't look quick and don't move fast on the field. Um, they just move fast on the track. And if you think about what, especially the Victorian players have been training for all year, it's the combine. Yeah. They've been training for the combine. Like, I mean, what what else really? Like, I mean, you've been able to get down and kick a footy, but you haven't been able to be playing games. So you've been improving your time trial times. You've been improving your sprint times. You've been improving your agility. You've been improving your strength. That's about all. Um, so I would have expected there to be good athletic profiles this year. Um, and it's probably not the thing I would have drafted on those. So uh, the Swans are an interesting one. Hard to rate. Hard to go wrong with that first pick yeah. um, and then match two picks after that, really. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it feels like a five, but I feel like it's wrong looking at the draft and what they've done. Um, I mean, I kind of feel well, I like... Mean, that, that, that's, that's probably... That's a great summation of why our model of rating things is the way it is rather than the way that, say, Fox footy do it or I'll do it. Jeez, we've been ragging on Fox footy. Well, we're, we're not just on Fox footy, but, you know, we're not just saying who got the best players because, you know, if we are, then it's the people that went in with the best picks. We already, like, we could have told you that before the draft. Yeah. We wouldn't have, told, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have had to wait until after the draft. We would have said, guess what? Western Bulldogs got a great player. Adelaide had a fistful of picks. Um GWS made some trades. Um, we knew that they had. We knew that they had a fistful of things. And Sydney, um, Sydney were going to get a, a top pick and two other really like two top ten players. Probably the surprises sort of come in when you look at a club like Collingwood, when they like. I mean, everyone said after the draft, Collingwood, man, they went really, really well. well when you look at it and you go, well, they did, but they gave up a lot too. They did yeah. well, but they also gave up a lot, so they didn't do that well. Like, I think that's. That's our system. Is our system is going okay then? If if we were put in that seat, this this is this is this is how it is. If we were put in that seat, we would have ended up with either Logan McDonald or um, Granger Brass with no work. We would have ended up with one of those two players, Braden Campbell and Errol Goulden. True. So it's not it, like it wasn't a hard draft for them to be good in. It's a five for me. Yeah, it's a five. Yeah, I mean, I just as I said, like you're looking at it and you go, yeah, like you know, they're going to look back at this draft in three years' time and talk about how amazing it was. But you know, like you said, like they just had to see who came through and pick the one that they wanted the <laughs> hit, best and hit accept on the bids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. And that's not taking away from obviously they they do a lot of work and stuff. But yeah, I very much yeah. I do think that yeah that this one was kind of hard to cook. So yeah, five five for yep. me, five for you. 
On to the West Coast Eagles, uh, the last club to enter the draft. They started with 62 and then some other really, really late picks. And they picked up with their first pick was Luke Edwards, who was not tied to Adelaide, um, son of Tyson, um, at pick 52. And then Isaiah Winder at pick 57. And I'm going to mention this guy who they picked up in the rookie draft because I really feel that he was overlooked in the senior draft and should have been picked, and that's Zane True. I do like that selection, but that's not a part of our assessment. I just thought I'd mention it. It was a very good rookie pick, Zane True. So well done, West Coast, on that, even though that's outside our assessment. Um, Luke Edwards at 52 and Isaiah Winder at 57. Look, I like Luke Edwards. I think he's... He's exactly what I'm talking about. He's a high IQ football player. Um, he just finds it, knows what to do with it, um, and does it. Yeah. Um, he... And look, he hasn't he hasn't had, he hasn't had a great year, to be fair. Um, so there's a, I mean, there's a little bit of a reason why he slipped down and wasn't a probably second round selection, which is probably where we anticipated that he would fall earlier in the year. Um, but he's still a good player, um, and, and at this pick, I really like it um, because he's got upside for sure. Yeah. Um, his upside isn't like you know he could be the best player in the draft. His upside is he could he could be a real AFL player. Um, he looks like it, so he, he, he could definitely he could be you know in the kind of you know ten to fifteen bracket on their on their list. Yep, that's yep. that's his so, that, that, that which is which is fine. Uh, it's a great it's a great pick at this area of the draft. Yeah, I think Winder's a good pick at this area of the draft as well. Yeah, I like his I like his size for a small, um, being one eighty centimeters and seventy nine kilos. Like those are good. It's a good shape for a smaller player. So, um, is he similar shape to Shy Bolton? Uh, I was a maybe the same height. I was a little bit like leaner, um, if I remember correctly. Um, I can't remember exactly. To be fair, oh no, Shai's one seventy five and seventy six, so he's a bit smaller. Yeah, um, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, just ge- like generally, uh, um, generally a good shape. Um, as I said, for a player, um, is quick, could probably play forward uh, and make an impact, which means that he'll have an easier time getting a spot early in his career um, because he won't get a spot in that midfield in his first year. Um, so, you know, I like both their picks. I think that they did well, given that they didn't enter the draft for a long time. Yeah, yeah. look, I, I do like the window pick. We spoke about Edwards. I, I like the window pick as well. I think it's, you know, obviously with the stuff still swirling around Willy Rioli, um, uh, I just think it, they've just picked another small forward to take up a role. And, you know, a, a guy who can probably play next year as well. Um, you know, he, as a small forward, as you said, he's, a, he's you know, 180 and 79 kilos. So he's kind of you know, getting towards the right physical size to, to play. Um, and, yeah, he, he's, you know, I think he'll be pretty handy for them. Um, yeah, uh, there's nothing nothing wrong with either of those selections. And, and, like, if you're talking about the hand they started with and how they've they've drafted and looking at their list and what they need, I, I'd give it a 5.5. Yeah, I'd give them a 5.5 as well. Yeah. Um, and look, a lot of this I think is, um, I mean, it's not a, not didn't feel that deliberate, but clever position in the draft. But we sort of plotted this before the draft um, when we when we did our draft central mock draft. Um, that their pick that was sixty two would probably move up ten picks. Yeah. Um, we we had it projected at fifty three. It ended up being at fifty two. Um, so it probably showed that it was going to be undervalued um, and then be at a reasonable area for the end of the draft. Um, so yeah, I liked what they did with both selections as well. So five and a half from me too. I think um, I think what was really interesting, and, and if I can make a comment on the mock draft, was I mean I think Peter had West, West Coast and he, he bumped up late and then started bidding on everyone's NGA kids. And yeah. that's exactly what the Western Bulldogs did on draft night. Yeah, um, I was sitting there in absolute shock. I thought it was fantastic, by the way. Um, just bid on everyone. Um, so, I don't. We're going to talk about the Western Bulldogs next, but yeah, I think probably the only thing the West Coast probably could have done with is a, is another ruckman. So I was surprised in the rookie draft they didn't take a ruckman. 
given that yeah. they lost Tom Hickey, but I guess they re-signed Nathan Vardy. So, um, you know, they do kind of still have that second ruck there available to them, um, as well as obviously Bailey Williams and, and obviously Nick Neck being number one. Um, so, you know, they could probably wait, but I reckon they might have had their eye on a guy like Shannon Neal or something, a local boy. Yeah, I think they might have as well, but it might have just not fallen their way this time. The yeah. West Coast are a club that typically value having good rucks and good developing stocks. So um, it won't be too long before they fill that back up to four. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So five and a half each and we're on to the doggies. Um, yeah. I mean, this so one's pretty straightforward. Pick one, pick one yeah. Jamar, Jamar Ugalhagen, um, and pick 55, Dominic, Dominic Bendendo. Um, so well. just, just, before, just before we get into it, I'm, um, I'm a bit of a sucker for... I guess literal meanings of terms, um, and just on one of the articles about Jamar Ugohagen, um, I think it was on the AFL website. They called him a consensus number one, um, which I don't think is true. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I like I. I don't think that it, this was a consensus pick. I think that Rao was a consensus pick one. I think Walsh was the consensus pick one. Um, much closer to a consensus, at least in both of those cases. But I don't think Jamara was a consensus because he didn't play this year. I think that there was some people that truly believed that Logan McDonald was the best player in the pool. Some people that believed that Till Thorpe was the best player in the pool. Some people that thought that um, Elijah Hollands. Elijah Hollands was the best player in the pool. Some people that would have taken um, Granger Barras pick one. I don't think there were many people that would have taken Phillips pick one, but I, I think that he had enough upside too. I, I think that I would have taken Ugo Hagen over Phillips, but um, no matter what. Um, but I definitely don't feel like he was a consensus pick one. But that said, a great get for the Western Bulldogs that they um, could just sneak in and well, here, yeah, accept. He's my consensus pick one. I agree with myself. He was pick one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you 100% agree with yourself. Yeah, exactly. So, um, no, look, I, I mean, yeah, Jamara, I, I couldn't speak highly enough. Like, he's he's a star. Like, he will, uh, he will, you know, if he can live up to his potential, and that's the same with all these draftees, but he's... His ceiling is enormous. Like I'm, I think that yeah. he's he's got the scope to be potentially generational talent. You Definitely, know. is he a buddy clone? No. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a few articles that say that they got a buddy clone. So who does that mean that? I don't. Um, Dominic Bendendo is a buddy clone. <laughs> no, he's not a buddy clone at all. But I think I think probably the different and like yeah, I mean I. I I know we do compare players a little bit and stuff, and 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 I more like to compare players in the way they play. Um, yeah, Jamara doesn't play like Buddy. You would you could say that he's got a similar athletic profile. Um, he's, yeah, he's, he's got an upside. He's got upside like Buddy. The fact that he could be a generational talent. Yeah. Um, he kicks on his left foot like Buddy. Um, probably like probably the biggest thing, and, and if you want to know what I what my personal opinion on the biggest difference is, is I think Jamar is a better mark. Like, not saying that Buddy's a bad mark, but I, Jamar, Jamar... I think that I think Buddy's a bad mark. I, I think that's right. I think that Jamar Uberhagen is a marking tall forward. Yeah, and I think that Buddy is a gigantic small forward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I think probably the thing for me that I love with Ugo Hagen, he's a lot like the King boys in the way he jumps at the ball and just hits it at that high point and and just gets it. Like, you don't often see Buddy do that. And that's that's probably the biggest thing when you watch them play that you really notice that's the difference. And, um, you know, athletically, you know, He's got he's got a bit of uh, yeah he's good at ground level he's you know athletically gifted you know and that that's where the similarities probably come from but I, I would not be likening him to Buddy because I don't think that he plays in yeah, the same he's, way he's not he's not an up he's not an up and back forward um, which Buddy does really really well he 
leads up and takes uncontested chest marks and then runs back, loops back hard mm. and, and kicks a lot of goals from long range. Jamara will be sitting much closer to goal um, and, and marking in the forward line. Yeah, it's funny. Like I'm trying to think of a player that he plays like to if like a, for a more accurate comparison. Can't really think of one off the top of my head. I mean, he, no, I can't think of one right now. Either. Like it's, a bit, a bit, like a better Eric Hipwood comes to mind. Yeah, definitely better. Um, like, let me let me think let me think on it. Um, like I guess he's got a lot of similarities with the Kings in the way he marks, but he's probably maybe like a a more athletic. Jack Rewalt, like in the fact that he is much more of a full forward for me, um, like as in he's much more of a I'm going to control thirty to forty meters out and I'm going to spring and, and leap at things. So the Jack Rewalt has that, um, but he's just springier and 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 he's got probably a few more tricks than, than Jack did at an early age. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind it. That's not bad. So, yeah. Look, I just think, um, I just think in terms of picks, and everyone will have heard different assessments of him. All I can say is go watch some video footage of him, and you'll probably start to see very quickly why people think he has the scope that he does. Um, and and the last three number one picks in in Walsh, um, Rao, and and this guy, um, all have enormous upside, but his upside is just that much more because of his size. Yep. Um, and that's and that's really like when you talk about the value of a key forward versus the value of a midfielder. You know, like Rao's got potential to win Brownlow's, as does Walsh. Um, you know, potentially the absolute superstars of the game. But, you know, when you when you're building a team, uh, and you go back 10 years and you're building a team, you're going to take Buddy Franklin over, you know. Over Gary uh, Ablett. Yeah, 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 probably over Gary yeah, Ablett. Right. Yeah, um, you, you would. You take, you take Buddy. You yeah. take Buddy first. So, um, and, that, and that's really where Ugo Hagen's separation comes from, is that he will, yep. you'll probably end up taking him over others. But again, there's a longer, there's a, he, he's not going to come in straight away and kick 10 goals. So And he's not, and he's not definitely going to be there. No, either. like he's he's not definitely going to reach that elite ceiling, um, that super elite ceiling. He's yeah. got he's got tricks that could take him higher, um, and make him more valuable. But he's not as perfect. Um, not not that the others are perfect, but you know he's got more he's got more flaws, um, than the others do, who are a lot closer to the ball, and you can sort of project a bit more of where their ceiling starts and finishes. So, yeah. Um, Super exciting. I like to be. I'm going to be fair to Dominic um, Bendendo and say that I don't know a whole lot about him. Um, didn't didn't really project as a as a draft pick. Um, so he was probably projecting as late to a rookie selection. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, he's he's, a, he's again he's another one that that probably I looked at after talking to the draft central boys a little bit. Um, a beanpole is probably the right way to describe him physically. He's he's quite yeah. light. Um, yeah. But that said, you know he he looks to be athletically speaking, he looks to be um, quite a quite a good prospect athletically, um, and, and you know he just probably needs to work a lot on his skill side of the game. So it, it's probably you know at pick what is it fifty five? It's a it's a good speculative pick. He you know could be that mid sized forward they're looking for. Um, or, or he could just be a you know couple year prospect and you know but yeah so it's, yeah he, he's I mean at the end of the day he you know the kid can jump I think is I think he he was the one who won all the jumping stuff at the combine this year so um, yeah okay. expecting I'm already expecting mark of the year off him so just put it out there okay. I I'm gonna go back and um, revise my Port Adelaide score from a four point five to a five. Um, and I'm going to give this one a five as well. Yes, it's a five. Met expectations. God, they're lucky, but met expectations. I think I think this whole back half of the draft has just been met expectations because it's been the most bids and yeah. Everything. I mean, it there, like it, it's always hard to have somebody completely shoot the lights out. Um, yeah. and I don't think that there were any of those clubs. So when I'm just revising quickly and we'll wrap up, um, 
Carlton had the highest score of all clubs with a 6.5. And we think it's because they just made two great selections later in the draft. Um, so they definitely exceeded expectations. There are only a few clubs that slipped below um, that met expectations marks. They were the Saints, the Ruse, uh, and Geelong, with Geelong having the worst net score. Um, they got a four from me and a 4.5 from you. So, um, I mean, all in all, most, most clubs get around between five and 5.5. I think that when we're looking at our averages, I've run them across the course of the episode. Um, our average score is a 5.18, um, so slightly above a five, um, but not so much so that um, our average is a is a Fox Sports A+. Plus. Um, <laughs> Which is, which is to say that when we read those things and you, you see that there's eight clubs that have Bs, five clubs that have As, a couple of Cs and one D, um, it doesn't feel very balanced. Um, we just try to provide a balanced output on what we sort of feel like the clubs did. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's sad also to finish wrapping up because um, I, I love looking at the draft. So I'm just I'm just looking at the Fox Sports articles. There were nine A's, excluding A plus and A minus. <laughs> so if you, if you I mean if you put in that, I don't the pluses and minuses I couldn't care less about. But there was nine A's. So anyway, that's just yeah. I mean, fifty percent of clubs got an A. That's great. Yeah. Um, which would say your average is probably about a B. Yeah. Which is just, I mean, look, if you're not bound, if you're not bound by a um, a central point that you have to anchor around like we do with our five, um, 10 and zero, then maybe you can do that. But I enjoy the way that we do it, Sean. I enjoy podcasting with you and I'm going to enjoy as much as I enjoy podcasting with you. I'm going to enjoy a, a week or two off. Yeah, me too, mate. <laughs> I, um, I, I think, uh, I think to be honest, after this year um, and the fact that I, I, like you, I podcast from the same place I work at the moment so it's um it certainly will be nice to to get away from this desk for 14 days that i'm having off as i'm sure you'll be enjoying your your little break um and before you start your amazing new job um yeah so yeah i mean it's it's been a pleasure uh, is there did we did you want to just wrap up i know you kind of spoke about where the club sat but do you want to just go top to bottom in terms of average score between us uh the clubs from top to bottom uh yeah give me two seconds because i closed everything down um and i can get it back up um that sounded like a question not a statement uh, the way that i phrased it yeah give me two seconds um (laughs) sure so the combined scores from all of the clubs alphabetical order Adelaide with a 5.25, Brisbane with a 5.25, um, Carlton with a 6.5, the highest, Pies with a 5.5, Essendon with a 5.5. Um, that was one of the biggest differences between us was Essendon with Sean on a 6 and me on a 5. Uh, Frio 5.5, Geelong 4.25, lowest score of all the clubs. Gold Coast 5, uh, GWS 5.75, um hawks 5.25 d's 5 ruse 4.5 port 5 tigers 5 saints 4.5 swans 5 west coast 5.5 western bulldogs 5 so really i mean if you if you were here for the first episode um you got you got a lot of the action um where you sort of are running with a an average somewhere in the high fives um and then you dropped to almost below five average um, for, for the next six. Um, and in this last episode, you've just had a really boring neutral finish to the episode with too many fives. <laughs> but it was a, like, I mean, those clubs didn't hold a lot of decisions on that night. They made some good selections, um, but a lot of it was already taken care of. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, well, I'm reasonably happy with that. So, um, well done, Johnny, and thank you for your um, all your efforts this year, um, not just for this podcast, but also for the year. And um, uh, wishing you and and Amy and the family um, uh, a wonderful 
uh, Christmas period and, and hopefully a nice relaxing break and, and wishing you the best of luck for your for your new job, even though I know we'll probably speak tomorrow. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, no, I do. Look, mate, I appreciate it. And I love you. I love your family. Um, listeners, we, we love you. Um, yeah. Love seeing, love seeing you talking, um, looping us in on things on social media. We'll still be really active on there. Um, and also as much as it's, it, it sometimes breaks my heart. I, I also love seeing you share, um, some of the things that are harder going on in your lives on, on Twitter, either with us or with the community, um, just asking for help, um, because it's, it can be hard and it can be lonely. Um, so just keep reaching out and staying connected and, um, we love you. We'll be back. I'm sure better than ever in, in 2021. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for listening this year. We do greatly appreciate it. Um, this year's been uh, memorable for many reasons, but I think among it, we um, we hit our hundred episodes this year, I believe, Johnny. Um, and you know that that's been you know huge from a a random little idea we discussed one night um, over text to to being up to probably getting close to one hundred and fifty episodes now. I reckon. Um, yeah, one hundred and forty four, one hundred forty five. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, just to think, um, you know, a random little message chat has resulted in this and the countless hours of us speaking together and and it and it's all made worthwhile by by, you know, the feedback we get from everyone and, and you know, good, bad, everything in between, people calling us out on some of the things we say and people <laughs> supporting us on some of the things we say, you know, it's fantastic. And and that's really what we hear. Like we're we're providing, I guess, our subjective opinion in a lot of ways. We try and approach it quite rationally um, and, and as balanced as we can um, but we're all subject to our own biases and, and you know we you know the general feedback we get is that people enjoy what we do Johnny and and we do really love and appreciate um, everyone who supports us and um, we wish you nothing but the best of, of luck over the next uh, few weeks before we come back and, and see and talk to you all again um, and we hope everyone stays safe and has a a wonderful festive break um, and, a, and a happy new year um, and, and especially uh, reaching out and supporting our friends up in New South Wales as they're, they're going through a bit of a tough time at the moment. So we love you all and thank you very much. Love you all. See you later. Bye. If you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen, you're not alone. One in four Australians will experience anxiety. No one anxiety is talking. Visit Beyond Blue to start a life beyond anxiety.